Welcome to Sound Culture. This is a space for everyone to join the conversation on music and art. I'm Ethan, and for the next few episodes, we'll be grabbing a magnifying glass to analyze the career of Frank Ocean, one of Rachel and I's favorite artists. Frank Ocean has swiftly proven himself to be among one of the most gifted singer-songwriters of our generation. Through time-bending albums, Stevie Wonder-style synth, to escaping record deals, he has a rare ability to make some of the first known classics of the 2010s. Today's episode is broken into two parts. The first half will be dedicated to Frank's beginnings and leading into Channel Orange. Then we'll move into Frank's breakaway from his label and the release of Blonde. Let's get to it. What is your No Skips album? Channel Orange. Hands down. Channel Orange. Channel Orange. The it's, only album I think that ever existed. It's, the, it's been the only No Skip album for me. From start to end? For, yeah, from, I mean, since the first time I heard it, probably. Oh, I heard thinking About You? Oh my gosh. I've been thinking about Emma. Okay, singer. Keep it. Usually you're the singer on these. Not today. Can you believe we're talking about Frank Ocean oh, today? Oh my goodness. Frank Ocean has been... Our pal. <laughs> for, I mean, he's been my pal for years, years and years and years and years since... I think I found him late middle school, early middle school. Yeah. And I... That was like two years ago? No, I was yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm a freshman in high school. No, I, I've loved Frank for... At least seven, eight years now. Yeah. And he's consistently, like, he's been somebody that I go back to all of his yes. work over and over and over. And even, like, Channel Orange, I turn that on and listen to the whole thing mm-hmm. over and over and over. Like, yeah. name another album that does that. No. Maybe a Paramore album. <laughs> Did I just... I outed myself <laughs> as a Paramore stand. Um... <laughs> But, no, Frank Ocean was my top artist last year on Spotify. And he only released, like, three singles. Yeah. But I was playing. I was I was wearing them out. Um, question for you. What makes a no-skip album? Do you think uh, albums like Channel Orange, even Blonde, Sneak Peek, even My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, a Paramore album, Dua Lipa, you're doing Future and the stuff. Well, that has a skip. That's not oh, a no okay, skip. Okay, but what makes this no skip album? I would say an album that tells a story mm. and an album that is sonically cohesive yeah. and an album that, while being sonically cohesive, introduces enough new ideas and topics that like keep me interested for 40 minutes. Yes. Um... So like Channel Orange, for example, which we'll talk about in a second, has a one long running theme throughout all of it. But inside of this album, there's three or four different main themes throughout mm-hmm. the album. So I would say say something that keeps your attention, yeah. but also introduces new things, new sounds, and new ideas all the way through the album. I completely agree. I think you saying introduces new ideas, that's a really good point, because I think 
when you're listening to music, you're like, I've heard this already. Like, and you don't like it. You're like, I've heard this. But if it's something new. Like Ariana Grande's Positions. Oh, oh yikes. That we give kidding. that thumbs down. No, it's a thumbs up. The the remix. Why do we, find a, we find a way to bring her into every And Kanye, too. <laughs> um, but Frank Ocean did not just start off being a chart topper. No. Sad crier no. music. He started off as a sweet boy named Christopher Bro. That's his real name. B R E A U X. Some French. Was, yes, some a little French. French. A little wee wee. Um, so he was born in Long Beach, but then moved to New Orleans when he was younger. And he grows up in New Orleans around. I mean, New Orleans has such good music, jazz, Cult rich yes, history. Rich history. So. He grows up, enrolls in, um, what is it, New Orleans University or yeah, some, something some like that. college in 2005. And in 2005, Hurricane Katrina hits and he has to move. He decides, hey, you know, what? I'm just going to gonna move to L.A. So he packs up his car. Well, why does he decide to move to L.A.? To pursue music. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. I feel like no, you're testing you just, me. No, you just left out the detail oh, of he yes. started recording in... <laughs> in oh, New Orleans yes, yes, yes. You, you can do and that. <laughs> he uh he was recording and he was doing anything he could do to get studio yeah. time anything he could do washing cars hint hint the hint car remember cars <laughs> keyword of the episode walking dogs he was doing anything he could do to get to pay for Stu- studio time mm-hmm. so when her hurricane Katrina came in and destroyed not only the studio that he was recording at, but also the university he was at. Um, he was like, "There's nothing for me here. So, I'm I'm moving to L.A." Yes, yeah, so he moves to L.A. Um, and he packs he, up everything in his car <laughs> with like two hundred dollars and no, hikes like, his way. No, he had more than that. Oh, his dog walking money really paid off. <laughs> um, so he gets to L.A. He starts writing for other people. Um, he writes for Justin Bieber. Go listen to the song Bigger. The love, the love is bigger. The love, the love. Mm-hmm. Bigger. I'm really the singer on this one. Yeah, okay. you are. So he writes for Justin Bieber, writes for Beyonce. Yeah, he just, I mean, he's just grinding as hard as he can. Mm-hmm. Like, just trying to... Make it. Just mm-hmm. do as much as he can. Yeah, so he runs into... A ragtag oh. group of friends. What a, what a character. What characters... Odd, Odd Future. Future. So he meets Tyler and the Odd Future gang, Earl Sweatshirt. I don't know any of the other names. I should know. We'll figure that out. Yes. Um, but they help him. Frank quotes in, in one of his interviews, I think with GQ or something, that he was in a really bl- bad place when he met Odd Future. And Tyler and the crew really welcomed him in and just helped him like be better. And also the DIY nature of the way that Odd Future was making music rubbed off on Frank and he was like, wait, I can make an album. I, yeah, I can do this on my MacBook. I can do this at home. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the whole idea. And we'll talk about this later in one, in one of our next episodes is this idea of these like self-starters and how rough they appeared to everyone else, but they really were a family. Yes. And you don't need like a label to, to make be successful good music. Yes. and to make good music that people love. So, with his songwriting, he got the attention of record label Def Jam. Yes. So, they signed him, but sadly, they just put him on a shelf. They said, bye, bub. So, unless someone typically offers a lot of potential or already putting a lot of out of independent music, 
Record labels will sign people so that they can't really do anything, and then they just shelf them. Mm. That sounds rude. Especially looking back, I bet they're kind of mad. Yeah. They shelved them. Um, so Frank is like, you know what? I'm just going to work on my own album. With the help, yeah, with the help of his friends, like helping him, yeah, like encouraging like, him. Yes, you bro. You can do this. Yes, Christopher, bro. <laughs> do it. We should also talk about the name change. Frank Ocean's name change. So his name is Christopher Bro. And Can you imagine if our fave was named Christopher Bro? I mean he is. Chris but Bro. like not Frank Ocean? Oof. Um, so he Um So Frank Ocean goes through the process of changing his name. Is it legal? Yes. I'm Whoa. Legally sure. changed his name to Frank yes, Ocean. But even cooler the meaning behind it. So the ocean part, you think of Hurricane Katrina, water, um, it's a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. And then ocean, like waters are fluid, waters don't have like they take the shape of their container, whatever they're in. They they're not really controlled by anything. And I think this is really Frank's liberation moment, just one of them. There's mm-hmm. a lot, but one of Frank's liberation moments, like Hey, I'm I'm just being me. Like, where did, where did Frank come from? I think Frank was Frank Sinatra. Which, if if his name is based off of Frank Sinatra, that makes sense because another great yes. with the same name. Yes. So he has this fluidity, but also this legendary name change. Legally changes it, and he gets to work writing Nostalgia Ultra. So. Nostalgia Ultra is not an album. No. It's a mixtape. Yes. Mixtapes are two-folded. I feel like we know mixtapes as... Think of a Spotify or Apple Music playlist. You take different songs from people. Like, if you were to write one for your lover, you'd put, like, even Think About You by Frank Ocean. And then, like... You would put Frank Ocean's discography on... (laughs) Yes. But you'd put different songs by different artists on there. Um, you would press record. If you had a tape, you press record on the song you it's want. It's a double recorder. Yes. So very confusing. I don't know how our parents did this. Um, my dad, <laughs> my parents tell stories of making each other mixtapes all the time. Yes. So you combine and, um, yeah, combine all the songs together, put them on a mixtape, give it to your lover, your friend, whoever it is. Um, and that gives a story of an idea that you have. Mm-hmm. For a person like you're like oh you're just my buddy or i'm sad or i love you yeah and the other side of mixtape could be um rap artists specifically would make covers of songs or use samples of a song to tell an idea and it wasn't entirely their own work um they would pull not steal but just pull from other artists sample their music and create their own original cohesive work. work yeah so Frank takes both of those ideas, the idea that you can use different songs to create a story, and the idea that you can take covers to create a story, and makes Nostalgia Ultra, which is this idea that he is begging for the past, but then also living into the future. Or Ethan, you, you know better how to describe it. Yeah, he, he's looking towards the past. He's looking towards this nostalgia of his old life back in uh, Louisiana, but also this like proud moment of him pioneering something into the future. So he releases this mixtape and he doesn't promote it. He doesn't, I mean, really, I 
he put a lot of time into it, but I think for like an album, he didn't put a lot of time into it. Mm. Um, and so he just releases it and it just blows up. It just gets the it just gets the attention of so many, many people. And I love that he releases it for free. He's just like, here you go. There's not really a lot of promotion, no marketing. Yeah, so if you look, try to find this on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever you search, you won't find it because when you release through Apple Music or Spotify, there's royalties involved with that. So every time you click, um, you're pretty much paying for that with your subscription. Um, but he, he wanted you to have it for free. So it's, it's, a, a, it's a SoundCloud baby. Pretty much. Yes, yes. So, Ethan, what did his label think about nostalgia? We love it. Yeah. We love nostalgia. So, his record label was pretty upset that they did this. Yes. That he just came out. And not only did he just come out with this, it got the attention of Jay-Z, Kanye, Beyonce. And he started working with them. He's writing on Beyonce's four. Yes. He's collaborating with Jay-Z and Kanye on their double album, Into the Throne. Um, watch the Throne. Watch the... Oh my gosh, what am I saying? <laughs> and so we did a whole episode on Kanye. But he's collaborating with these massive names. And Def Jam is like, are, oh. you, are you kidding me? They're like, oh, wait, you're our guy. Yeah, you work for you're us. So um, let's go into the ideas and the themes of Nostalgia Ultra. So it plays like Frank's personal mixtape. It's you're like listening to what's shaping him as an artist. You're hearing um, like sounds of, of a tape playing. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. A tape playing. I'm like trying to imagine the, the album yes. playing in my ear. A tape playing. He covers Strawberry Swing by Coldplay and talks about he's loved the good times here. He like misses life and sweet fields and strawberry swings <laughs> and he also covers a song by the eagles which i'm not like a classic rock fan so i don't know the significance of yeah. that but just the idea that that plays into the story of nostalgia like longing for the past and he also comes out with two singles novocaine which we all know uh, i'll just answer a little So he releases two singles, Novocaine, which we just heard, and then Swim Good. And these two launch him into a whole different stratosphere, stratosphere of attention he's receiving. And just people are wanting music from Frank Ocean. Yes, and Frank Ocean is no longer a like faceless credit on like an odd feature album or Beyonce song. He's like he at the, the bottom. He's the it person he's, now. He's the guy. Everyone's wanting him. And Def Jam's like, wait, come back, Bubba. Give us a, <laughs> give us an album. We need you. And Frank is quoted as saying, yeah, I told them if they give me a, mil- a million dollars, I'll come back. So he was like, he was done doing <laughs> music with them and yeah. they shelved him. And I mean, it makes sense. Like the Frank Ocean, Ocean part, like he's so... Like fluid and like just wants to be flow. free. Yeah. So why would he deal with being shelved well? Like, and the pressure of 
performing for a record label. Um, yes, record labels are tough, red, tough, red tough, tape, tough, tough, bureau- tough, bureaucratic messes. <laughs> Which, before the use of like social media and the way that it's done today, like in 2011, even you can't really go anywhere until Odd Future came around by being independent. It was really, it was all done by these massive record labels. Some people you looked at with some, some you didn't. Frank Ocean did not. He got this dying Def Jam, which is good. They've they've been under a lot of amazing projects, but they were dying. Mm-hmm. So they give him a million. They do, they do it. And he starts working on, oh, what is just, this is his magnum opus, I think. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. Other people might have other ideas, but. He starts working on how do we? I think we could just put in a clip. Okay. You don't know how little you matter until you're all alone in the middle of Arkansas with a little rock left in that glass dick. You used to date a blonde. You used to hit it raw. Cause she wasn't. You are madly involved. Madly involved. Channel Orange. I can. I. I have a crush on this album. <laughs> crush. It's orange. Like the soda. Speaking of, <laughs> before we dig into the content of this album, it is packaged so well. Yes. Okay. Talk about... Ethan's going to give you a, a rant on the design. <laughs> yes. Me, a designer, I guess. So Frank Ocean's Channel Orange is this bright orange, just straight orange with... The simply two words, Channel Orange. Channel is in a font called Cooper Black Standard. Uh, And Cooper Black was a font that was used through the 50s, through 70s, 80s. And it was really a traditional American font. So it was this idea of like America, the beautiful and like the patriotic American. So it was used in a lot of newspapers. It was used for a lot of signs. And it represented a new, beautiful America. And then... The word orange is, I'm pretty sure it's a thin, um, condensed Futura, which is a very modern, clean, um, forward type design. So it's very postmodern. Two very contrasting fonts, but it really shows the attitude and the direction of what Channel Orange is. Ah, the orange, the... The classic sun-kissed orange. Yes, orange in color theory like symbolizes happiness, sunny days, enthusiasm, fun. It's my favorite color. I love orange. Yeah, and Channel Orange. Frank Ocean talks a lot about summertime, and when you think of orange, it's a very summery color. Yes. And this really is a, uh, it's a perfect debut effort. I think it's an all-season album, but it really does have to do with summer. I'm meaning that you can play it whenever. You can play oh, it. Oh, it's a, it's a fall out. It's a fall through fall, and through spring, album. Spring, summer, summer winter. winter. It goes good at all. The whole thing. No skips. So actually, Rachel, I uh, wrote one of my college papers on Channel Orange what? <laughs> yes, I. Wait, I think I knew this. I spent a long time researching Channel Orange because I loved it so much. Wow. We had to take a 
a moment in pop culture history and write about the worldview of it. Well, yes, this is for sure. And I, some people were doing like Kardashians, some people were talking about different movies, and I was like, I need to dig into this entire masterpiece of an album. So I'm going to read you um, a thesis, my thesis statement. We're going to have a reading. Right? As, as well I'm as a conclusion that I think encaptures what this album is about. And then we're going to dig in a little bit. So my thesis said, The reflective R&B album Channel Orange by Frank Ocean communicates the worldview that people attempt to be their own personal god through the harsh realities of money, love, addiction, and loss. This whole album is about addiction. What? What? I know. Whoa, whoa. I don't know if I agree with you, but let's keep... We'll talk. So I closed the paper saying Ocean tells the story uh, through this album, Channel Orange, of bringing the sounds of television to the medium of music, showing different yet connected plot lines of his life and made-up stories that drives this whole theme engine of this idea. Specific songs such as Super Rich Kids, Bad Religion, and Forrest Gump help paint the picture that Ocean desires to deliver in his debut effort to drive the worldview that everyone is trying to become their own personal god. Hmm. Doesn't seem like you agree with that. I. What would you have graded I mean, my paper? <laughs> The way he wrote it is phenomenal, I think. Well, what class was it for? It depends. Uh, I think it was for, like, just a comp. Oh, okay. I would give you an A. It was composed yeah, very well. thanks. If this was, like, philosophy, I'd give you <laughs> an F. No. Incorrect view. Well, maybe I'd give you an A still. Because philosophy, it's like... How can you argue that? <laughs> maybe I should have got a philosophy degree. Anyway. I think Channel Orange is truly about the pa- just the past. It is a good follow-up to Nostalgia Ultra, that nostalgic, I miss, I miss how things were. I miss my lover. I miss these good times. And he puts it in this uh, channel, I'm trying to use a different word, medium, of a TV. And it starts with the TV turning on and flipping through channels. And he finds, what, Thinking About You, that channel, Ugh. I guess. And I think... It's him, maybe I'm getting a little too meta, but I'm thinking of the TV being something that captures moments, captures the past, captures the present. And Frank's taking this moment to reflect on the past and the present and can't go into the future until he's done those things. Whoa. Okay. We're getting deep this episode. Getting deep. Well, I think of songs like... Crack rock. Okay, no, maybe we shouldn't get into crack rock yet. Let's keep talking about so, Frank at this moment. Yeah, go ahead, go. Thinking about you and the fertilizer. So you have these like interludes all throughout the album that are so tastefully done. And at the same time, it's him flicking through these channels of on the TV. So he gets to Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. So after Fertilizer, we have the sleeper hit, Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. Boom. 
It's so groovy. Yeah. It's so groovy. Smooth. So this song is talking about the com- comparison between Ocean's budding relationship with a woman and the like physical location of Sierra Leone. So Sierra Leone is a home of so much beauty, but it yes. has a lot of internal conflict. So this whole song is talking about this woman and Frank as well as this location that look beautiful, that look like bountiful and fruitful, but are really internal turmoil. And as you hear, leads to kind of this death almost. Yeah. Um, Because it's not, you know, the true value that he's searching after. Um, The song encompasses the idea that relationships are more valuable than riches which is a theme that we hear a lot throughout this album yes like another song what song super rich kids (laughs) money and wealth and then you're like that was that you you were you were giving me i was feeding you that and you didn't take it (laughs) super rich kids it's so good too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce too many bowls of that green, no lucky charms. The maids come around too much. Parents ain't around but it's enough. So, when you really listen to the lyrics, they're really sad. <laughs> it's like these kids that um, have no soul, but they live like extravagant such- lives. Mm-hmm. Doing drugs, watching TV, just hanging out with. People that are also rich. It's forwarding the idea that money does not get you what you want, but we all seek after this. We all seek after driving the Jaguars that he talks about Mm -hmm. or living in the mansion or being able to do whatever we want to do. Yes. Um, But with this like harsh reality and, and this massive influx of money, we see addiction pop up. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. I also think, as a side note, everyone should go listen to Super Rich Kids for Frank's just wordplay, and then also Earl Sweatshirt's line. Who is in really, Odd Future? Who's in Odd Future? Yes, yes. You brought him on, but it's a really good song to add to your playlist. Any playlist, literally any any playlist. Sad, happy, mad, angry, dancing, joyful. Even your instrumental. <laughs> Okay, what are you saying? Addiction. So when you have this like influx of money and you don't know what to do with it, it often leads to addiction, which the next track is Pilot Jones. It starts as genius. Always smoking hands. So Pilot Jones is the picture of this quote grown woman. And mind you, and Ethan, Ethan's taking notes from his, <laughs> his paper. He pulled it up. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I had to. Yeah, so, no, it's good. Yeah, I kept this paper. So, Pilot Jones is about this, what he says, grown woman. And Frank is stumbling to this woman every single night. And so, Pilot Jones is this woman, and she 
ends up there's a line in it that's saying she has her own tours around the world. She's doing her own thing. So really, this is talking about um, sex and this, uh, like, sex workers. Yeah, well, I, couldn't I, think think of of, the word. I think of a plane when it goes up, like, because he's like, she took me high and she took me home. So it's like this idea that drugs and love both can get you high and then you come down off of them once you realize the truth that this isn't giving me everything I need. So Frank, again, is like searching for that luxurious lifestyle and like, ooh, hey girl, hey, hey Pilot Jones. Um, but it's not giving him everything that he desires. So he's not finding it in money. He's not finding it in sex and love. So he lands mm. next song, Crack mm. Rock. Can I just rant about Crack yeah, Rock? Yeah, go on. Crack Rock go for on. a second. Crack Rock single-handedly makes Channel Orange Frank's best album. The storytelling in this... What is it? How long is the song? The song is three minutes and 44 seconds. And Frank does more than what? Shakespeare? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> just the... The... There's, it's so heavy with symbolism and commentary. Okay, let's just start off with the, the, the title. Crack rock, a crack rock, like a drug, crack cocaine, um, the idea of addiction. I guess you are. But I also think of crack rock as the, like, I feel like I always think of, like, the physical rocks in, like, Arkansas. But also, I yes, true, because he starts off the... His first line is, you, you don't know how little you matter until you're all alone in the middle of Arkansas, which, Little Rock, yes. Arkansas. And I also think of, like, Crack Rock, like a rock song, too. Yeah, like, okay. this could be the title of a song. Um, and just the... Yeah, just... This is definitely a story of addiction. Frank is telling about this character that like lives in glass homes abandoned abandoned homes you like not being broken home not being belonging to their family like not being able to hold a child at family reunions like no one wants to be around you but then later um he has this bridge of Oh, this is this. <laughs> there's so much behind this album yeah. the landscape this is at the same time as the ferguson Shooting stuff, yeah, and everyone's like, Frank, why aren't you saying anything? But then he releases Channel Orange, and everyone's like, Oh, wait, he, he did. said it in here. So, this bridge, um, he talks about how if a pig, if a cop gets shot, 300 men will search for him, but he doesn't necessarily say that he did it. But, um, 300 men will search for him probably solely because he's black, and then if his brother gets popped, no one cares. And this idea of one police brutality, but also like systemic racism that pervades America and the South and just everywhere. But Frank does a really good job at talking about these things, but making them so easily digestible that you can just yeah. you're playing it, you're grooving along, you don't even know it's like unless crack you're, rock, <laughs> and you're like, Ugh. you're like, wow, this album's so good. But then you listen to the lyrics, you're saying. He's talking about some heavy stuff. Yeah, this song really talks about, like you said, poverty and like keeping people of color, especially in the South, kind of just in one place. Yeah. And he 
talks about it perfectly in one song. <laughs> so after I love this, it. I love it. there is a... a uh, we need it. Crack Rock is talking about addiction to cocaine mm-hmm. as well as like when you are missing, when you're addicted to drugs, you have this like withdrawal feeling mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. are desiring. And yep. there's this feeling of like, I need, I'm going to die without this. It's the same feeling that you often will have with the absence of love in your life. Sheesh. And so. Frank Ocean is now talking about the similarities between addiction to cocaine and the addiction to love and the addiction to having sex or being with somebody. Mm-hmm. And that goes right in to the 10-minute masterpiece of Pyramids. Well, one bit the future Shining like diamonds In a rocky world I keep Pyramids is my crack rock. If crack rock is like crack rock to Rachel is Ethan to pyramids. <laughs> or yes. Yeah, I love pyramids. It's it's this song talking about Cleopatra, and the beginning of the song is that he reverses the sound of a of a kick on a drum, so it sounds kind of like this warping sound, and he's talking about the past. Um, it's talking about a woman who is stuck between jobs of being a stripper, a worker, and a slave, and then halfway through the track, uh, it ends up being Vegas. He's talking about the pyramids. This, I think it's a... Luxor? Yes, the casino in Vegas. And the women who work there at the pyramids and how they're not really caring. They don't really... They're just there to get a paycheck. They're just there to clock in and clock out. But these men are there trying to find love, trying to find greed. Um... And oftentimes when you find yourself in a position like that and you find yourself, let's say, in Las Vegas and you're you're without means, you're without love, you're without money, you're without what you crave for, you find yourself being lost. <gasps> I didn't I thought you were gonna say desperate. I don't know why I'm missing I'm missing all of your points. I'm like feeding you these like <laughs> like song titles. I'm like mm. <laughs> I'm Come glad you're on. into it. <laughs> um, lost is the next track. Now you lost, lost in the you know. Um, now she's lost in the world. So this same woman character yes. is she left the pyramids and now she's lost. Um, it's the the roles of the POV have kind of switched and. Uh, It talks about the woman, maybe it's Pilot Jones, who's traveled alongside Frank as he adventures the world, and now she can't seem to find Frank at all. And so she's kind of lost, and now they have this family of four that cannot survive. Another story, another very well done... Realistic story. In this last half, we see that Frank does... A really good job at 
bringing universal themes. We talked about this when we weren't recording. Like things that we all deal with and unisex, you use the word unisex, men, women, whoever. Um, yeah. Stuff that we all deal with. Like we are looking for something, we, we lose everything and now we don't know where we are in the world. And can we talk about white? What's this? What, I love the song. I don't get where it fits into the narrative, but I love the track. Well, I think white is this, it's a necessary transitional piece. So um, I've always interpreted it as white noise. As like, you know, when the TV sometimes has like this white noise. Yeah, the static. The static. And so it's a interlude of John Mayer playing guitar. And I've always taken it as Frank Ocean is now dreaming. Mm. So he enters this kind of dreamscape into the next song, Monks. Monks. Which we were just grooving to before we hit record. Um, it's just a cry for enlightenment. Yeah. It's just a cry for a god, like a pretty higher, much. A higher thing. Which is the conversation of the next song, Bad Religion. Bad Religion. Bad Religion is so beautiful. It's a song of Frank Ocean sitting in a taxi and he is so lost. He's, he's talking to the taxi driver and he's saying... What yeah. can we? Do? What can I do? And the taxi driver responds a Muslim phrase that just says "God be with you," and Frank Ocean responds, "Don't curse me." And he doesn't even understand that this guy is trying to help him. So he uses this metaphor as taxi, as Frank Ocean with a therapist, and this becomes this topic of Frank Ocean doesn't know how to convey his emotions. Yes. And love, again, coming up as a theme. How love can oftentimes feel like worship of a, of a person or thing. And Frank is using it to like mean this bad, like this, this religion of love has not given all that is promised. Like it, he's run out. He's He's lost, he doesn't know what to do, so he needs something to help because love isn't helping. And he's asking for help, he's kneeling, he's like saying, I can never make him love me. Like, love me, love me not. Like, does he love me or no? Mm -hmm. And Frank is confused and looking for an outside help. So there's this line in this song that I... Oh, it always gets me, like, it just hits me every single time. He says, to me, it's in the hook of the song. He says, to me, it's nothing but a one-man cult and cyanide in my styrofoam cup. I can never make him love me. So he's talking about the Jim Jones cult uh, who killed all of his followers by making them drink cyanide right before he then shot himself. But he's calling it a one-man cult of ocean worshiping and loving this man who does not reciprocate any emotions. Just like Jim Jones didn't really care about the people in the cult. And he, he killed them all off. And he didn't really care about any of them. And it was very selfish. So 
Frank Ocean is comparing those two instances in a really harsh way um, at this like in in the rain with taxi driver and confronting these emotions of Frank feeling like he wants to be with this man that we will later talk about, but he just can't. The man never reciprocates. Hmm. And he moves from that unrequited love into Pink Matter. Featuring Andre 3000. <laughs> Oof. Shoo-wee. Uh, we should do an episode on Outcast. Talk about a good man. rap verse. Man, oh man. So, Pink Matter, the title of the song could mean one thing, like a woman's body part. <laughs> or, could mean her brain. Mm-hmm. And that pink matter of your brain is not gendered. True. So after White, he really starts talking about this, his first love, Frank Ocean quotes, his first love is this guy that we've never, we never meet. We have no idea who he is. So Frank in verse one talks about the brain and he says, do you think the brain is just a container for the mind? And then a couple lines later he says, or the sensei, who is the person that's helping him. The taxi driver. Yes. Replies and says, then what's woman? Is she just a container for the child? And it's this mind-body relationship. Yes. That philosophers have been trying to figure out for years. Like what? What, what does the mind do and like how does the body how do the body and the mind have this relationship to each other and it's really just frank wrestling with these ideas of like ethereal ideas but then also like physical the physical nature of being human so in pink matter he discusses it so it's such a beautiful song i recommend you all listen to it and it goes into forest gun forest gun I wanna see pom-poms from the stairs Come on, come on My fingertips and my lips They burn from the cigarettes Forrest Gump, you run my mind, boy Running on my so mind, boy So the movie Forrest Gump has two main characters that we all know, Forrest and Jenny. And this song by Frank is no different. So you have Frank and then the love interest, which is Forrest Gump. And this song is, it feels like a love song, but it's talking about loss. This song is, uh, it is him talking about, you know, the chorus sings, my fingertips and my lips, they burn from the cigarettes, Forrest Gump. You run my mind, boy, running on my mind, boy, Forrest Gump. So that leads to this bigger conversation that this song really sparked outside of this album, which was um, whether or not the hip hop and rap community accepted LGBTQ people. So he, after, almost less than a week after he released this album, he releases on, tu- on his Tumblr a screenshot from his Notes app. And it's just a, a thank you letter for the album as well as a coming out letter. And so in it, he writes, 
four summers ago, I met somebody. I was 19 years old. He was too. We spent the summer and the summer together after. So once again, we have this like nostalgic summer memories that he keeps, keeps, keeps coming back to. And he can never reciprocate that feeling. Yes. And in in Forrest Gump, um, he says, I'm nervous, Forrest, which is a homophone of I'm nervous for us. And I think he's really nervous to put this out there because he doesn't know how it's going to work out. He doesn't know if this love will love him back, if he truly even wants this. And but he continues to make a song idolizing this character of Forrest Gump. Yeah, so I I truly believe that the latter half of this album shows how, hang with me, how loss can become a god if we're not careful. Ah. So I think sometimes we hang on to these feelings of loss so hard that that becomes our only reality in life. The fallacy of golden age thinking, like where I was before is better than where I am now. And I only want that. So it prevents you from living now. For the now. So, And really, when you look at the when this album came out in Frank's life, so he's talking about when he was 19 years old. This whole album is talking about 19 years old and then all these like fictitious stories, obviously. But the main guts of it is talking about when he was back in New Orleans. New Orleans. And he's writing about it five, ten years removed. Mm-hmm. This hey, Summer Haze dream sequency album that is critically acclaimed really is just a man missing what he once had. Frank Ocean releases this album. Less than a week later, he releases his thank you letter, coming out letter. He does a few music videos that you have to go on Vimeo to find. And I would watch them to appreciate the art, but they don't really... Make any kind of sense. Maybe it's kind of like The weekend. Oh, our buddy. But, but that doesn't make sense because you and I are like in this like we're bought into Frank Ocean. So yes, we should be we able don't. to understand mm-hmm. it. It's just so it's just such an abstract piece. Yes, for sure. But so then what does he do? Well, he after? does a Grammy performance of Forrest Gump. And he then later quotes and says how much he hated that performance. But you can't find it on YouTube either. You have like you have to really dig to find this Grammy performance. I'm really nervous. His only Grammy appearance. And then he just disappears. Silence. And obviously during this time, he's helping his friends. He collaborates on Tyler, the creator's Flower Boy, which we'll talk about later. But he's mostly quiet. He's really taken a back seat, just letting people enjoy the art that is Channel Orange. You don't hear anything from him. There's no Tumblr posts. 
there's not much action happening. There's no tour? No. Mm -mm. And I love, I think of this a lot. There's this Adele on Jimmy Fallon. And she's like, Frank, we need another album. Like, where is the music? Like, Frank, I need you to release a new album. And if if Adele's asking you... Release the album. Release it, boy. So... While he's silent, he's working on the biggest escape plan ever. Endless? Endless. Okay. Episode, obviously, that I'm not. You're not getting the. I'm like, I'm like, big eyes. I'm like, he escaped. Endless. (laughs) So, Endless is this performance art slash album that comes out underneath Def Jam's hand. Def Jam's like, you need to put out an album. Adele said, no, I'm kidding. I don't know (laughs) if they said that, but they. To fulfill his contract, he had to have two albums. Yes. So he doesn't really tell anyone that it's coming, correct? Am I right in saying that? He does, yeah. It's a 48-minute Apple Music music video exclusive. But he premieres it live on YouTube, correct? His, his website. A, or Yeah, and it's just a video of a warehouse. Of him building a staircase to the sky. Frankie boy, what's going on? It makes no sense make it make sense make it make sense you can't it doesn't the track list i personally have only listened listened through the album maybe once or twice um it's very abstract very uh, like it feels like an enigma i feel like i'm you know the this is so random the old windows screensavers where it's like the colors that's what i feel like endless it really it's i I feel like it's so blurry. It's a such a blurry album to me, and there's no real like start or end to these songs. They just, when you're listening through it, it just blurs together. Mm-hmm. And endless, well, the opening is stunning. So it's um, it's called "At Your Best." You are love, and cover. It's a cover. Once again, kind of hitting on this mixtape idea, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, so it's um, a cover of Aaliyah's At Your Best, You Are Love. And yeah, I, I, I think it's really echoey. Lots Breathy. Of, lots of reverb. Ooh, throwing out music terms. <laughs> Sounds nothing like the previous work, Channel Orange. Yes. Oh, in the letter, the coming out letter, he says that he struggled to master himself and his emotions. And the track maybe indicates like that, even though he doesn't have a lot of self-control, ooh, hint, hint, the ooh. next album, um, he, at his best, he's like, he, he can still love and he can still give that emotion. Endless fulfills his two album contract with Def Jam. 
because he doesn't promote it, because it's not available on streaming services, because he doesn't tour with it, he makes a lot of money off of this album and lets it disappear. So it releases one day, and then his website, once again, looks kind of weird. Something's happening, and the next day, he drops Blonde. The real. The real second album by Frank Ocean. This album, I'll, I'll give my, my tea on this album. I did not like it. I was a Frank Ocean fan, so I was waiting for Blonde to come out. Um, and then when it, or I was waiting for an album and then Blonde came out and I was excited to listen, listen through, didn't like it. Was really disappointed. I think I was expecting something out of the Channel Orange Nostalgia Ultra universe, that fun, nostalgic, longing for the past era. But I think Frank was done with that. And now he's moving into this new world that was nothing, like broke expectations. And maybe that's why a lot of people like it. But I've come to, to love it. And it's not my favorite. But I think Frank did a really good job at building a new world for us to dive into. I think what's really cool about this album is he doesn't just talk about summer. Which, bummer, but he, yeah, but also, yay, he he doesn't just talk about summer and this, like, hazy love that he has. He really, this album takes you through a year. Since Channel Orange is our favorite album, I wanted someone else who is equally as passionate about how we are with Channel Orange to intro the conversation about Blonde. So I called up my friend Luke and he gave us his opinion on what makes this album so great. I love many things about Blonde by Frank Ocean. Um, I love the production. I love his lyrics. I love the way in which he crafts his songs. But maybe most importantly, I love the journey that he takes his listeners on um, from summertime and from the daylight um, all the way to nighttime and to the dead of winter and how that paints a picture of growing up and of merging into adulthood and about his own journey um, growing up as an artist um, and as a human being. I love the nod to the seasons. That makes so much sense. Listening to the album, the seasons theory of moving from what, summer first or spring yeah. first? Spring first, new, newness, um, growth. Youth. Yes. The I youth th that we felt in Channel Orange mm, is now is growing, growing and it's up. here. <laughs> but it quickly, with the interlude of Be Yourself, transitions into summertime. Summertime, we've got Solo, we've got Skyline 2, and then Self Control. Summer, I think. Endless summer, fun, like magic. The days are longer. You've got time. And Frank is obviously spending more time um, with his love mm -hmm. and is able to live into that idea of romance and freedom and feeling infinite potential 
And yeah, then we have good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, there's this sad little interlude <laughs> that transitions us to fall. So if summer is the happiest and most alive time of our lives, then autumn is kind of the growing up adult season of our lives. Autumn is associated a lot with mortality Mm -hmm. and melancholy and the idea that not everything lasts forever. Round your city, round the clock. Everybody needs you. No, you can't make everybody equal. Although you got buku family, you don't even got nobody being honest with you. Nights solo reprise with Andre 3000 again and pretty sweet. And then Facebook story slash close to you are our transitions to winter. Ethan, you love close to you. I love close to you. So I found that close to you samples Stevie Wonders uh, close to you. And I just think it's the most beautiful transitional period. It, if it to me, it sounds so. Um, it sounds like a sigh to me, and I don't know how else to put it besides it sounds like a sigh. Not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but just changes here. I'm like, you have to face it, and you have to be okay with it. So it takes us into winter, which is the end of the yearly cycle, and it's usually the darkest time of the year. Mm. Days get shorter. We go into white Ferrari, which a nod to a car. Again. Frank drives in cars. Frank has his license. (laughs) Frank can drive. Nostalgia Ultra cover. Now into this blonde, this new world. The closing, we didn't even mention this. The closing of Channel Orange is him getting out of a car. Yes, it's, whew. Cars just, he's a car enthusiast. Bad luck to talk on these rides. Mine on the road, your dilated eyes. Watch the clouds float, white Ferrari. Had a good time. How was I supposed to know? I let you out at Central. And then Siegfried, and then God, Godspeed. That's everyone's like moody song. I love God. I loved Godspeed before it's cool. Can I say that? Am I allowed? Before to they played it at coffee shops. Yeah. <laughs> before it was um, on TikTok. <laughs> um, and then Future of Free acts as like the epilogue, or I guess like the end of the movie, um, the film that Frank has given us through this album, and. Okay, I'm re- now that I'm thinking about Blonde, I really like the way it makes you reflect. It's super like, it's like a cow chewing on cud, mm-hmm. like ruminating on these ideas of love, loss, romance, seasons of life where you're hopeless and then seasons of life where you feel like, oh, I've, I've got the world at my fingertips. And 
I really think Frank does a good job with Channel Orange looking at the past, but now Blonde looking at right now, like where have where have we been and then how can we move forward into something new? So in Channel Orange, he talks about, so he was really quiet and that's when he talks about Ferguson and different things like that, just subtly in the message. So in 2016, uh, when we had this first wave of uh, of prom- the like outward appearance of police brutality, other different musical people like Kendrick Lamar, Beyonce, they came forward and they talked against it. And Frank remained quiet the entire time. Uh, he posted several times about uh, police brutality on his Tumblr, but nothing like overly public. So in his opening track, you can hear he's yet to say anything, and then he drops Blonde yet again with no promotional cycle, and in the opening track, Nikes, you can hear him say, Rip Trayvon, he looked just like me. Once again, he's hitting on those themes of like, that could be me, that could be me that was shot. Or that could be me that is losing a family member. Hmm. He's, again, that reflective holding up a mirror to the listener and saying, yo, I'm, I'm black. We live in this society that constantly suppresses black people. Like, you're listening to my music. You're going to hear about this. You're going you're gonna to understand and you're going to do something. I, re- I feel like you can't not listen and feel like, oh, like he's right. Like that guy looked just like, like Trayvon Martin looked just like Frank. Yeah. Like that could have been him easily. And then you're like, wait, where are places in my life where I'm like generalizing or, or putting people in a group or demonizing a group or just, yeah, coming into your own self and figuring out how you can change. What I also love about this album is it is so much in contrast to Channel Orange. So Channel Orange was this expansive electricism and it's so lively and it feels, it's it's moving, it's so fluid. Blonde seems very internal. It feels mm-hmm. very melancholy. It feels very like... A kid just made it in his room with a keyboard and a guitar and with the same mic that we're using now and singing Good Guy on. And they just feel like completely different things. And maybe it was because he was recording this the same time he was making Endless. And he was he was creating it behind the scenes, processing through these life changes behind the scenes in which nobody saw it except for Odd Future and his closest friends. Hmm. Dang, this, like, bedroom pop, but <laughs> cleaner, better produced bedroom pop. Do you it's think, like a diary. Do you think this ushered in bedroom pop? Hmm. No. Well, maybe. The mainstreamness of it. Yes. Maybe. Maybe because it was so mainstream, so out in the open, but everyone loved it. People were like, oh, wait. I can, I can do that. I can record my diary and put it out on the internet. Like, what? And the original title of the album was supposed to be Boys Don't Cry. So it's this 
commentary on emotional health, like emotional health, especially with with men and men tox- of color, toxic masculinity. Yes, you got it on the nose. But the toxic mas- masculinity of the phrase "boys don't cry." And him dealing with these really, really tear-jerking issues. While the cover is him crying in the shower. Genius. I do it too. (laughs) (laughs) So, this album feels very transparent into a look of where he's at and what he's going through. In 2016, the year that Blonde releases... There's also Life of Pablo and Coloring Book that released the same year. And we've talked about Life of Pablo on the Kanye episode. Just that it's this wrestling with these ideas of with opening with Ultralight Beam and then ending um, with St. Pablo and just figuring out who you are. And then Coloring Book, Chance is making his debut onto the scene, talking about religion and fame and... Frank, at the same time, is doing the same thing. And he fits kind of in really well with these men, with these black men that are killing the game and kind of makes a home for himself like in between the two albums and kind of adds to the cry of like, do black lives matter? You really like our music. So like, do we matter enough to like make your, like for you to change your life and change your priorities too? These, I think the group of them, that was so good, Rachel. I think the the group of these albums all coming out in the same point in time is saying, look at us. We are three men that are at the top of our game. We are three men who have been inspired by the same questions, the same parts of culture, the same cities we've all been inspired by. And yet... What is our value? And they're asking these questions of, do I matter to you as the listener? Do I actually matter as a black man to you as a, as a listener? And do you actually care what I have to say? And I think we talked about Kanye's and how Life of Pablo is so chaotic Whereas I feel like Blonde is a very sad cry into those same emotions. Mm. Oh. oh, Frank Ocean's obsession not only with summer, but with like intimacy and romance and nostalgia really, really ties the bow on Blonde. And with the ending of Future of Free... And the harsh static and the distortions of time that really intrude on the on the end of the album. The album ends and really wraps up where Frank Ocean is as a person becoming this adult who is okay with what life is. He's looking through his past. He's looking to his past through this rearview mirror and kind of putting that to rest. He's putting this idea of his first love to rest. He's putting this idea of endless summer, endless summer to rest. And he is being okay with a season like winter. Mm. And he's becoming okay with these uncomfortable growth and 
dying seasons while also trying to stick up for things that he really believes in and cares for. Yeah. Frank, our friend. Frank does a phenomenal job in making you feel things you've felt before, but in a new way. He's enthralled with Summer at the beginning of his career, and it opens doors for him to explore new parts of himself. Channel Orange is provocative. There's a strength that comes with it. It's got that last day of school feeling. Anything is possible. But in contrast, Blonde feels like the musings of somebody quite different. Frank has changed and is ready to accept the heaviness of loss. He translates these internal thoughts into music that we play on a daily basis. And then he recently released three singles, but Frank has gone silent for the second time. Where is he? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but in reality, Frank has pushed the boundary of sharing your story. So a question. What does the world need to hear from you and how do they need to hear it? We'll be continuing this series next week with Tyler, the creator, the mad scientist of the music industry. We'll talk soon. After Ethan and I finished recording this week's episode, I went and bought a physical copy of Channel Orange. And when I got to the end of the song End, there was even more. I heard a tape click and there was a special secret song. We always want more Frank music and I've never heard this. Ethan's never heard it. So enjoy Frank Ocean's hidden track, Golden Girl. Moments 
meditative poses You break my focus, you make me laugh Two mopeds racing through the forest Making dirt clouds on a path On a path I'm my best on this island I'm a mess in America My flight left last night But I know I'm not going back I'm not going back home, no oh, oh, oh. You're my golden girl You're the one I've chosen, girl You're 24K, yeah You make it bright when it's gray, yeah You're my golden girl the sun has been kind to you You're 24K yeah. But the sky is never gray Never gray If we build a house in paradise Will we get to heaven still? If we don't have to live through hell Just to get to heaven I'ma stay right here with you Till the hurricane comes Till the tsunami comes I found my goal You're the one I've chosen You're 24K You make it bright when it's gray My golden girl The sun has been kind to you 24K, yeah. but the sky is never gray. Um, yo, my G O L D E N G I R L, and that's for the females I can't spell. But um, thanks for fucking with me. You turn my dark into light. You're like a bucket of bleach. See, I want you to know that my negatives at home aren't working for my Kodak. So that means that I don't want to go back. Just know that I would like to stay here and hold that hand. Yours. Girl, I'm a wrecking American face is the best Cause it's the same color as the lace on my neck And you're golden uh, Your eyes open, fuck it Let's toast and listen to Michael Bolton I free fall off the hill again Let's see where I land I'm like Gilligan um, I trust you golden for wet drink I'm just hoping that you don't turn my neck 